In my previous episode, I shared about the pressure I feel to be a model minority. While I spoke with Dr. Mackey and Carolyn, I discovered the strength of the people who stood up and told their stories. How has the community continued to tell their stories? There's a bilingual newspaper, Rafu Shimbo, in Little Tokyo, serving the communities in downtown LA since 1903. This is the proof of their pages that they did up to a couple years ago daily. So if you look at the paper, if you unfold it, one side reads from the English side, open it all the way up, look at the other side, and it's Japanese. So again, that, that duality of our of ourselves. <laughs> this is the publisher of Rafu Shimpo, Michael Komai. And working on the Japanese side, the text reads top to bottom, right to left. And others, they'll read left to right, very like Western style, but we still follow the old format. A column is top to bottom and the lines read right to left. So trying to find the software that did that when we first converted was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Kumai gave us a tour of the office. Most of the staff have worked from home since the pandemic began. Despite this, the space is filled with stacks of old issues, archival photos and posters, and even old types sitting on top of shelves. Traces of history were everywhere around the office. Now up here are the basics of an old time print shop. So if you look at these items, and there's actually one sample out there, that is the Japanese type until around, around 1993 or so. Everything happened around then. Everything in Japanese was handset. So it was, we were extremely labor intense. We used to have 15 people who would literally take one of these items and put type in there, letter by letter. I only know about moving the type and it's heavy. Okay, now, we all have graphic images. This is how it was in the old print shops. You had a graphic image, you had to have it burned onto, in this case, uh, some type of, maybe a nickel alloy plate. So of course, an artist had to draw this and then we had to burn it onto the plate. So yeah, in, in this sense, we kind of live our history. Michael Komai has a long history with the paper, going back to his father's and grandfather's generation. This person is my father. So he's the second publisher in our family. I think I'm the seventh publisher, but I don't really know. I should know. Um, he is responsible for helping um, protect the newspaper assets during World War II. He took over when his father, my grandfather, was arrested by the FBI on the afternoon of December 7th, 1941, after Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. And then in that, you saw the Japanese type in there. They hid that type under the floorboards of our old building because the FBI was trying to look through the windows. They were trying to get in. They wanted to confiscate the type and melt it down so that we couldn't, we meaning the newspaper could not be subversive and write all these bad things about the United States government. Um, that gentleman that I said, Togo Tanaka and my father were in charge right after Pearl Harbor. And the newspaper printed so many items in English and Japanese about the relocation of our community inland, where to gather, 
uh, which blocks were had to move out and report at a certain time. And even though civil rights wise, it was completely wrong. And I think we all knew it, freedom of the press, freedom of speech. But we also knew that realistically, if we didn't keep our constituents informed, they might not show up on time. And then who'd be knocking on the door? The FBI and the police. Mr. Kumai sat down with us and I asked him how he began working for the newspaper. The newspaper was my babysitter. I would go there and I'd go to the different people at their stations. They, or they'd call me over. I'd hold out my arms. They'd fill my arms with paper. If there's a tag, so stuck the tag in my mouth and I took it over to the mailing sacks for organization. So that's how far back my newspaper contact goes. Um, worked at the newspaper in high school the first year, summer. Um, in those days, the printing plates, you can imagine what they are, they're real thin things now. No, these were this thick. The raw plate weighed almost 50 pounds. The cut down plate weighed about 30 pounds. So I got to help to carry the plates from the press back to where we remounted it down for recycling. Uh, at that time, it also would help. I was strong enough and old enough to roll, so I could I would roll some papers, so that we could put it into the mail sacks. He talked about how he officially took over the business. My grandfather, and his name is H. T. Komai. Um, the T stands for Toyosaku. H stands for some American name that he just put on. I, we believe it's Henry, but he always went by H or H. Toyosaku Komai. My father is Akira Komai, no middle name. He officially took over when H.T. passed away in 1950. Then I inherited the role. My dad wanted my sister to take over. She didn't want it, so I, I'm the youngest in the, of the three kids, so I got it. Was I trained for it? I was working here, not intent on learning it, but you learn by osmosis, you learn by doing. You learn by making mistakes. Rafu Shimpo means Los Angeles newspaper. While their digital content can be accessed anywhere, they predominantly serve local communities. LA City is our largest three-digit zip code. As our pockets, it hasn't changed much. It's always been where there have been a lot of Japanese. So it would be Monterey Park, Gardena, now Torrance, West LA. Uh, those are the, the, the large centers. Our, we're limited, our print subscriptions are 5,000. Our digital subscriptions are 1,000. We're gonna segue our, our, if you wanna call it, a digital subscription website and roll it into our regular uh, newspaper website. Uh, get it all under one roof. We wanna just increase the number of impressions. So uh, in the new age, we're getting 100,000 plus impressions per month. Is that a lot? It's really good for us. It's really good for small papers. We're nothing compared to the big guys. <laughs> you know, but, but we're excited. I mean, we're growing on that. Uh, and, and again, we're gonna rotate what has been our, we call it an e-newspaper subscription. We're gonna roll it under our Rafu.com um, URL. So 
So again, I'm, I'm kind of mixing the old and the new. I, that's why I said, you don't want me telling a story, I'm all over the place. <laughs> we were joined by some ASU LA students and one of them, Ayana, is pursuing journalism and mass communication. Ayana asked about what the future might look like for the newspaper. Um, so you were talking about how you're trying to get the younger generation to like support the newspaper. Are you guys going to try to like go online and try to attract because I know a lot of um, publishers, they there are struggling trying to get the like my generation to read and support newspapers. OK, your generation, you're not my age with those questions. <laughs> um, no, we have an online. Yeah. Um, we recently, instead of dabbling in digital, we recently created, right now it's a two-person digital department. Mm -hmm. uh, the one person there has done our uh, Instagram. Uh, we probably are not gonna do too much uh, Twitter. I know Twitter, a lot of news groups use it. That way they keep up with what's going on. TikTok, yeah, that, it's like I don't know that we're going to appeal to them in that sense. Um, within the community, I referred to where my father helped do a lot of sports. So after World War II, he had to knock on doors for any recreational facilities, basketball courts, uh, baseball fields. And most of the time, the door would just got shut in his face. They didn't want Japs there. But eventually he got a diamond or as one fella said, he'll open up his rec center. So the adult league started. And then once you get one, you're able to get maybe a little bit more. Because as long as your community shows that, that you have a good track record, you're respectful of the facilities, you can open it up. Now, moving forward, 10 years after that, the first youth league started forming. And we used to cover the youth leagues like they were adults. We'd have a box score, we'd list the initial last name and points. And if we knew that someone didn't play, you got a comma. For the adults, if you got a comma or a period because you're the last one in the paragraph, it was a badge of honor, I played. But with the kids, they got to see their names in it. You know, as they've gotten older and it's gotten really crazy, um, the Japanese American basketball, youth basketball is just, it's waning a little bit, but for a while it was just a total social phenomenon. And when we were covering them, we were bringing them forward to us. Now, after the pandemic, one of the larger organizations wants their results in the Rafu. Why? Because they want the grandparents to see their results. And the grandparents will cut out the results and show it to the grandkids. And who are the grandkids? the generation that we need 10 years from now. Are we gonna get them? I have no idea. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you're asking, how do we get that? Um, on our website, it's still very print-dominated, right? Most of the stories had a print origin. But again, with the digital crew, they're going to start providing stories uh, for digital and print can use the digital, trying to make it a two-way flow. And then you had the other question about, you know, revenue, mm -hmm. right? So we are trying to diversify. So 
again, if we can do branding material, make more of a market. On the market, it didn't take off, but during the pandemic, we offered a number of the uh, stores in Little Tokyo that we would list their items and we would process it. The only thing they had to pay was the credit card charge and we'd pass all the profits to them. Unfortunately, they didn't know how to populate their site. And then to ask us to populate. So my digital person just sort of went, we want to do it. It's just really hard. And I kind of look at it as a Japanese department store. A lot of the Japanese department stores, the cosmetic one, you might have three different cosmetic counters, but they're all run and owned by a different company. So even though it's a department store, it's almost a co-op. So if we can create our market to be that type of co-op for some of the uh, small boutiques in the, the community, we'd love to do that. Who's our, who are our key partners? We're also reaching out to them as consumers. We have the digital archives. The, those are being sold by license to libraries. We have the Library of Congress, Berkeley, Stanford, Yale, Harvard, Columbia, um, Cal State Fullerton, they're the only Cal State University, USC, UCLA, UC Irvine. So can't, can't wait to get the rest of the, the top tiers. And please ask your librarian to look us up. For any print media, survival is a challenge. Yet we also heard some hope on the future of this local newspaper. There, there's a niche publisher in Santa Monica, and he just services that local area. And in that area, he feels he could compete with the LA Times because he's very focused. Stories are from there, um, distribution is in there, it's free, they have all their drop points. He's actually Japanese-American. Um, but he said he looks at Rough Shinpo and going like, oh, I wish I had 100 years. Oh, I wish I had that history that I can sell to advertisers. Uh, we don't know how to sell it to our advertisers because our advertisers are us, our community. Yeah. You know? Um, but we, we're picking up a, a few new ones along the way. But yeah, every year, every, every day, every year is a, a challenge. Not many staff were in the office, but we were able to talk to one of the writers, J.K. Yamamoto, about the types of stories he's covering these days. There was a more anti-Asian sentiment, we think, during, during the pandemic. A lot of the victims have been elderly, so that, yeah, that it, yeah, it's hard not to get emotionally involved. You know, those could be your own parents or grandparents. Regardless of, you know, the age of the victim, you know, or the nationality, we try to keep on top of it just so people know what's happening. And also exercise caution when you go out. I mean, it's unfortunate that you have to be looking over your shoulder, you know, whenever you go out. I also asked him how he sees the paper playing a role in the future of the community. Well, we we try to uh, you know encourage interaction between the different generations, and uh, you know all these decades we've we've been preserving the stories of you know our parents and grandparents' generation, which is very important because a lot of them are no longer with us. Um, but we've been publishing stories, you know, all this time of people's experiences. Um, you know, stories not just about the internment camps, but just, you know, experiences uh, of immigrants, you know, establishing 
businesses, uh, establishing community organizations, so that uh, you know there is a record of all this. You know, if you look at some of our old issues, you know, the history, it's all there. So we we've been sort of uh, preserving the history on a, on a daily basis. In the process of finding that role, they also needed to rethink about how the demographics of their audience have changed over the years. Um, one of your questions was, do we have our stories in English and Japanese? Why and why not? We have two different audiences in English and Japanese. Um, the Japanese language community and the Japanese American English language community, they're there is some overlap, but they're very, very different about the Shin Issei wives. Shin Issei means new Issei, new, new first generation. And um, so again, we see some of those, those kids coming into the sports programs now. But yeah, that's why stories don't necessarily cross over. The types of stories, you know, community first, Japanese side, they'll do national, international, just kind of general news on the front page. Should they change that uh, theme? We need to look at it. I mean, I've, I have my opinions. Uh, for the Japanese side, we've had a mentality that we want to do more Los Angeles news of what's going on in Los Angeles mainstream so we can inform the Japanese readers. And the rationale is if the new Japanese that are going to read us, they could see news from Japan on the internet and we might be able to give them a deep dive. But for, well, for most of us who surf news, they don't need to go that deep. So again, it's uh, trying to work with the Japanese side so that they'll get off of what used to work and go, well, this is our paper as we used to be. Whereas the, where, do we have, where does the newspaper have to be next year, five years from now. Now, can we still be around in 10 years as a digital only? I have to change, well, they have to get rid of me. <laughs> uh, because again, I have a print background and the mentality is always the print type stories, AP style. So I would have to change drastically for our, to be an online publisher. Why do you think this newspaper is so important for spreading the news to the younger generation and to keep just like, to keep the Japanese culture alive. That's something that's always been hard for me to talk about. Um, I, in, in Japanese, again, after World War II, it's always don't be the, the nail that sticks up and gets hammered down, right? And so, yeah, I'm at fault for not publicizing the newspaper more strongly, not taking a stronger stand were important for news communication, just in general, because we survived. Whether that was by design, by accident, by pure good fortune, I mean, we're just still here. The fact that we have covered stories of the community for 119 years sounds good, but if you're on the inside, inside the forest looking at the trees, and going like, oh yeah, we're just doing our job. And the culmination of the job is we have a product that has lasted that even when some people didn't like 
some of our stands, we still managed to get through it. You know, everyone's been trying to say, what is your mission statement? From the old days when it was a one-page dissertation to now it's a one-liner. So our mission statement right now is, well, to put it succinctly and bluntly, we are, consider ourselves the caretaker of the Japanese-American experience. And because of that mission, hopefully that will make us important to our current generation and future generations. Caretakers of Japanese-American experiences. They feel a sense of belonging, pride, and obligation to pass on their heritage. When I started this journey, I had a lot of negative emotions towards how other people judged me. I didn't know how I felt about my Chinese heritage since I didn't grow up completely immersed in it like others I knew. My mom, who's of European descent, did her best to keep me connected to my Chinese roots. We celebrated the Lunar New Year by going to Chinese cultural centers. Every Sunday as kids, we would go to Chinese language school. I definitely liked the former more than the latter because it was more fun. Though in retrospect, I value all the effort my mom went through to engage me with my heritage, even the things I didn't like. Talking with Dr. Mackey, Carolyn, and Mr. Komai, learning about their pride in their heritage after generations of trauma caused by the World War II incarceration camps, it all got me thinking about the relationship I have with my heritage. Can I have pride in my heritage? To be honest, it's hard for me to feel connected with a heritage I never grew up in. But on the bright side, there's a rich culture of people that I want to learn more from as I continue my journey. This episode was produced by Kat Baxter, supported by Arizona State University's Havager Institute Research Building Investment Grant. Music is composed by Aiko Fukushima, edited and sound mixed by Reina Higashitani. This is Chasing Cherry Blossoms, reframing American history through the Japanese experience.